Treehouse show. Um, you just listened to a very short snippet of Alchemist by yours truly, and I don't know, but I have a hunch that you are tapped into the trillest podcast in the universe. <laughs> Today we have an extremely special guest. We have someone who's traveled the world, someone who's seen me in my days when you will never have any evidence of footage of, and I will carry that to the grave. <laughs> but um, she's seen me, you know, in my in my different phases as a as a jit. As a, as a slime, you know, as a little caterpillar. And, you know, just over time, her story, I'm learning more about her and I'm just becoming inspired by the, the, the courage she's had to break generational cycles, to get outside of her comfort zone. Mm. This is someone who's, who's been through the, I don't wanna say the, the trap, but has been through the tendency to you know want to please has been through the tendency of you know looking a certain way showing up a certain way for certain loved ones in life and kind of coming to that epiphany that you know i'm just gonna live my truest version you know according to what brings me happiness and how i'm bringing value to the world and also today as someone who is a psychologist got her doctorates in there you know giving a educated perspective of therapy, how we view it in the world today, and how society and social media is integrating that, and just so many insights and, and powerful downloads that I want to share with the treehouse today. But without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Dr. D. <laughs> how are Hello. you feeling today? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love the Ease. fit. She got the shoes from Ethiopia. That camera could see it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just, just a walking banner of like, oh. just this is the vibe of the summertime, mm -hmm. which is what you like the most about Chicago, right? I do love summertime, Shy. Yes. Yes. What is it about Chicago that, that calls to you that's so serendipitous? Oh, my goodness. The culture. No, hands down the culture just it's different from where I'm from uh, the people the vibe the house <laughs> house music that is mm. and um, it's just the energy I love the energy it's it's not as high as New York but it's not as low as Dallas where I'm from it's somewhere in between where I kind of like to vibe and so yeah definitely mm. the energy how did you get to the point of finding out your energy? Because your story is a long one. Your story mm -hmm. is a lot of, you know, going to different places mm -hmm. and kind of stepping your foot, dipping your foot in different ponds. Mm -hmm. What was kind of your journey of finding out, okay, this calls Dr. D? 
energy-wise. Energy-wise. Oh, I think I just, it was, it was more of a felt sense at first, not really knowing how to place it, uh, how to put a label on it. But then as, as I experienced more in life, you know, I had these pivotal moments in life. Um, then I began to figure out what I like, what I don't like, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. So mm. I think every experience has kind of helped me, help shaped, you know, my knowledge of what I like, what I am, my energy, how I move, how I flow. And that's still developing. It's going to be ever evolving. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And I, I want to come back to learning and evolution, mm. but kind of what, and I had this conversation. I like to hang around with like older people. Yeah. I just, I think I'm an old soul because <laughs> yeah. I just love knowledge and like learning new things. It's like, that's so cool. Like, yeah. no, you do that. Like you work in a tunnel and then like you all have all these signals and paint pipes, different colors. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. That's just me. I get geeked about that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I get geeked about like, meditating sometimes and then i'll have a crazy thought like why 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 did i feel this way at this moment and not like two seconds ago i think about mm -hmm. these kind of things mm -hmm. but one thing i noticed i was talking about like i, I was i just seen my siblings yeah face to face for the first time in two years mm -hmm. so it was amazing seeing my nieces and nephews they're all their kids and then my siblings and we're just hugging and we're just like catching up oh. and then i'm just like they were like you've changed like you've really you're, you're different like we see you doing your thing like we're proud of you so on and so forth and then and i got to thinking like maybe i did and i got to thinking like when did this happen uh -huh. and i kind of put two and two together and i have another friend who is i think he's 29 and we we're mm -hmm. talking about how like there's something about the age of 25 that like you kind of go into and i don't know if it's just a guy thing or a girl thing i don't know but it's just like something clicked in my mind where i'm just like wait wait why am i doing this so you start seeing the bs and the things that you were doing you start looking into stuff like hmm do i want to repeat this cycle you know it's like you you take back more control over like your life yeah instead of just being a, a leaf in the wind you know mm -hmm. and what i want to ask you is like what was kind of the age and maybe there isn't an age for you yeah. maybe it's just me in my head but was there kind of an age where you were like okay i've done so and so but like now i'm at this age i feel more you know like i really know myself now and more uh, so yeah to kind of guide the rest of my life that's a good question hmm what comes up for me right now is i i remember that age when i really felt like i was for real ready to settle down get married all of that <laughs> i was saying it all along because that's what you're supposed to say that's what you're supposed to do you know you go to school you you get married before you graduate you have kids and you start a family and you live happily ever after right didn't happen for me but it was when i hit 28 <laughs> and I, I felt like uh I'm like for real ready like I was just talking at first but I didn't want I was in my books that was my that was my man <laughs> right and it wasn't until like my so I would say my late 20s that I kind of really got serious about that um like I was telling you beforehand off camera I, I've always been into school or these institutions church and whatever work I was doing to make money to make a living and I always felt like those were my anchors. So it's not like I felt like I was flopping here and there. I kind of had some type of structure, actually probably too much. 
Mm. to where since I've been out of those systems, you know, I feel like I'm still trying to figure some stuff out myself. Like what I like, what I don't like, you know, um, a lot of my life was very focused, very structured and geared towards a specific end goal. Mm. And so now that that's been accomplished, it's like, now what? So I'm living in my now what? Mm. That was a beautiful just kind of breakdown mm-hmm. of the kind of societal norms mm. that we all just get bombarded For with. Sure. Probably programming, could be DNA, could be genetics, I don't know, maybe a combination. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, I'm getting older. Also that part of me like, my moms want grandkids, my dads Mm -hmm. want grandkids, you know, my my siblings want nieces and nephews. So it's like, what do I want though? Yeah. And I feel like there's a certain age that's like that kind of, the the dots connect. Mm -hmm. And I love your explanation of kind of talking about that. What I want to talk about too is though is that you you kind of touched the core of structure. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, are either at the phase where they're like in the books, you know, they're in high school Mm -hmm. studying for the SAT. (laughs) They're in college, senior year, and you know, they've been fooling around freshman, Mm -hmm. sophomore, junior year, but senior, it's like, I got a 2.5 C's get degrees. (laughs) So now that they're in the library every day, cause it's like, don't want to waste that student loan money. You know what I'm saying? Or you got the people, you know, like you grad school for eight years, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I'm trying to pursue higher education, but it's like, it's all these goals. Mm -hmm. It's all these, this, then that input, then output expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, structure. And, And I would be interested as someone who's lived a life, very structured. What has been that the epiphanies or what has been the differences of, you know, and I don't want to say results that you've seen in your life, but how has the kind of feng shui of your life been since you've been super structured? Think about when you're super structured versus, I don't know if now, if you're kind of employing a hybrid to the structure, kind of being more free spirited, mm-hmm. but if you are, what's kind of been that comparison? Comparison? Yeah, like, like kind of growing up structured yeah. and then now realizing maybe I could, yeah, how was that experience? Yeah effect impacted you uh-huh okay okay so <laughs> i don't know if i phrased that question no I, okay. I think i i think i know what i want to say about that because knowing okay so knowing when i was about to graduate come out into the real world finally and mind you when i graduated that's when uh that's when the market crashed. I believe it was, was it the... 2008. Those big buildings, uh, not big buildings, the car industry. Okay. When that turned over, um, and it was 2010, actually. That's still kind of recession, coming off the yeah. recession. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking that I had missed another one somewhere in there, and right when I graduated, I'm, you know, I stayed in school that long, too, just to, you know, it, I, it felt, I felt safe, right? <gasps> And so, <laughs> right when I graduated, I'm like, oh, I'm walking into this. So trying to go into a job market, trying to get my license, things like that. So, but that's another side story. I, the answer to your question is, um, I had this way of being, a way of living. You know, you know, I live my life by semesters, school semesters. Okay, so I got this block of time, and after that, I'm done. And so now I can go out and play. You know. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I look forward to was when I graduated, like, oh, I don't have to be so regimented, so rigid with time and uh, time management, even though that's good. You know, you want to be able to 
be on time to work or whatever it is obligation you have but at the same time being able to relax and ease more relax more I was just always so goal oriented task oriented got to do this got to do that got to hit all the marks and so I was able to just relax and just take a step back and kind of breathe and that's what it felt like breathing a little bit and figuring out okay so actually I don't have to be like that so let me just take it easy <laughs> have a little fun let my hair down so to speak mm. and having to learn how to do that too you know having to kind of switch gears you know that's taking some time yeah and not and not go so far to the other side that you know you lose <laughs> all of the structure and the things that kind of help get you to where you are now so just find that delicate balance Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know where we learn that there's only one way to kind of get results in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I feel like yeah. maybe at some point in time, there was like a way that was like, if you do this, if you go to school, you know, get A's and B's and then go to university and get A's and B's mm -hmm. and then do an internship and then get your dream job and then climb the corporate ladder and work 30 years of yeah. your life and maybe you become a CEO or yeah. CFO or uh, you know one of the top sharks at the mm -hmm. top you know you graduate and you're 55 or 65 and then then you get to play yeah and it's I don't know if there's something wrong with me I don't know if there's something wrong with our generation I feel like we don't we're not messing with that idea yeah, anymore. Right, exactly. That's that's been out the door. But it's, that's that's how I grew up with that mentality. It was instilled in me and I adopted it. I thought that was the way to go, the way to be. I feel like I'm stuck in certain areas now because of that mentality, having to rethink and unlearn a lot of stuff. You know, that have that I ha that have been instilled within myself and become almost core values. Probably. And those are hard to change. Yeah. That's such, like, unlearning is, mm -hmm. unlearning is it's something. A skill. It is a skill. <laughs> it is a skill. It, unlearning yeah. is something. And I feel like for people like us, it's one of the hardest things to do. Because mm -hmm. what are we? Learners. Mm -hmm. Bookish. You mm -hmm. say you saw me in Ethiopia. How does mm -hmm. he come home and just study? Yeah. It's just like, it's habit. Yeah. Like, because that's what's proven to be successful mm -hmm. for our grandfather. That's what mm -hmm. had been proven to be successful for my father. Yep. PhD, mm -hmm. you know, great speaker, communication, English, literature, you know, by the books. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm like, well, I want to be like him. I want to like walk into rooms and like command respect. Yeah. So let, what did he do to get there? So let me do that. Yeah. And But it's a different world. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like the world doesn't care how you see the world. The world just is as it is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of our challenge is moving away from the things that the skills that we've developed and not to say that they're bad, not to say that they didn't have their purpose, mm -hmm. but it's how about we unlearn the things that are making us do these things subconsciously mm -hmm. and automatically because if you have control over it i feel like that's fine 
Because there are times where you need to be structured. There are times when you need to, you know, tunnel vision. Let me study this or let me so-and-so. But I feel like even now, nowadays more than ever before, there's a lot of time where we need to go with the flow. And like you said, take a step back. Yeah. Bird's eye view. How can I creatively, you know, get to the goal I'm trying to achieve, you know, and just just figure that out. And what I, what I do want to, you know, talk about to you is the learning part what or, or before we go to the learning part so you did eight years in grad school mm-hmm. and you know undergrad psychology mm-hmm. just doing that and seeing like you said off the record we mentioned how we see a lot of people on social media we see a lot of people kind of self-taught or self-proclaimed therapists yeah you know <laughs> Just, you know, setting up their camera, mm-hmm. putting on the lights, putting on the makeup. And it's like, today we're going to talk about social consciousness, mm-hmm. self-consciousness mm-hmm. or like so- so- social anxiety. And it's like, what what's kind of your professional opinion on, you know, kind of people just, I don't say vigilante therapists, but mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to take into my own hands and kind of just like, got my platform. Let's go. Yeah. What do you think about well, that? It's like I was saying earlier, I think it's a person's honest attempt you know, at the core to try to understand themselves, uh, to try to help themselves and hopefully with the intent of wanting to help others truly. And that's why you're on a camera. But again, you can do you can do the work uh, off camera. Right. I don't know. It's something about these when these phones came out, um, all of these platforms, everybody has to be a star. Right. Um, and there's, you know, it's the whole, I don't know if you saw the, the documentary social, um, dilemma I think I've on Netflix. I haven't seen it in, in its entirety, but it's this whole conversation about how we're kind of in some ways programmed, like with these phones and how we're so connected and why do you have to be on a camera? Why do you have to, as you're learning about yourself, discovering why do you have to then take it a step further? And now you're the professional. You're the expert. The expert. The coach. Even it's a lot of life coaching. No, no shade or no diss to life coaches, mm. because there are some life coaches who actually get certified, um, and and really want to help people. But I'm really kind of talking about the people who are just on the camera just because they just kind of want to play on the camera, so to speak. Mm. Um, I don't want to lose my point, uh, <laughs> um, but how do I feel about it? It it kind of is what it is. That's uh, uh, my mantra on a lot of stuff. It is what it is, but I look at it like this. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're not hurting yourself, do what you want to do. Come to your own. Every, every journey, um, Every path has a journey and and an end point. And so the way you get there, you know, is your choosing. But just be responsible. Don't hurt anybody along the way. Don't hurt yourself. That's how I look at it, just in a nutshell. So do it. I mean, it's here. It's actually, you can help somebody. Even how... For the six months that a person may be doing one thing, right, on camera, it could actually help somebody. That And, and that's good, right? That's the good in it. Um, but it, it could also be some damage done along the way, too. Um, I, I hear about those stories, too, um, about how people have been psychologically damaged because 
of receiving certain information from somebody who they trusted on social media um and and now you know these people have to really go and get some real help that's what you <laughs> I say in. real help <laughs> mm. yeah i'll say real help from, from maybe a licensed or a, a certified uh, professional so it is what it is c'est la vie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was um i mean that's your experience you know that is mm. And I feel like that's a very reasonable thing to think because it's like, you know, you put so much of your time mm-hmm. wanting to do the same thing, give value. That's why you mm-hmm. became a psychologist. And then, you know, you went to school for it, so and so forth. And it's like, it's just human nature. So it's like, we all, I haven't been to like basic training mm-hmm. to be like a Navy SEAL or something, but I would be hard pressed to find a Navy SEAL who like did like that crazy, crushing, brutal training and then they just see joe blow come up it's like Mm -hmm. oh guess what Mm -hmm. not only am i your fellow navy seal i'm your captain Mm -hmm. and he didn't do any basic they're not gonna respect him Mm -hmm. because like not out of spite out of just like you didn't go through what we went through and i don't know if that's an ego thing or it's just reasonable it's reasonable that's Mm -hmm. i'll say that like it's 100 percent. like you are valid to feel that way because i feel like humans we want to feel relate relatable Mm -hmm. and i feel like when someone skips steps or we feel someone skips steps we feel like they haven't earned their credibility Mm -hmm. and it's like maybe there are other ways they can earn their credibility let's see Mm -hmm. what you bring results yeah you know yeah i I will say to you know to their credit though i do what i do like about what's going on now in today's time is that people are more mental health friendly um because when I was matriculating through all of my schooling, um, psychology still very much had a stigma to it. And it was like, you know, especially in black and brown communities, it's like, oh, we don't talk about our family business outside of the family. We don't talk to about Bruno. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like it was very much a stigma. Um you just don't do that. That's the white people's stuff, the white people's way. And in a lot of ways it is, you know, it's a Western concept, you know, uh, black and brown people are more communal. And so we don't step outside of the, the family structure or the community or the tribe to go and talk to a complete stranger about what's going on with us or with our family dynamic. And so, um, but, as time has progressed, I see more people talking about the need for getting help and the need for taking care of yourself mentally. And so I, I love it. I absolutely love that part. But it's just like kind of like stay in your lane, though. And if you really want to do this, if this is really your passion, then go do what it takes to become that. Because mm. you still do live in a society where education is required, credentials are required. Um you know for a certain audience now some people may gravitate towards someone who is more just experienced or or self-proclaimed that's fine too there's something and some someone for everybody right but at the same time you're gonna miss this whole other group of people that you could be serving especially if you are really good and you have a gift you know do do the couple years of school or whatever it takes within your field to 
get some some training under your belt. And I'm very I'm an advocate for education because I love education. I'm a nerd, you know, so I, I'm still old school. I still like the traditional learning, the face to face in class. This online thing, that's probably why I don't teach now, because a lot of it is online and it's just I mean, maybe one day I'll get to that. But, you know, everybody has to move at their own pace. So, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just like the the feeling is, it's felt. I feel that it's, it's a, it's a two-sided coin. You know, on one part it's, you want to help people, that's great. Mm -hmm. But on the other part is like, do you have what it takes? Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes part of the journey is the elimination process mm. and and not not for like your sake but for actually not for other sake but for your sake maybe you aren't cut out to be that because maybe you're cut out to be a musician mm -hmm. but but you needed to like be cut out from that to even consider something else yeah you know what i'm saying so sometimes yeah. our rejection isn't bad right that was just okay now i know that's not for me mm-hmm now I can do something else right. that you actually love to do. Yeah. So I love yeah. I love that point there. And we'll come back to that mm -hmm. teaching and comfortable because mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about that. Okay. But I feel like we're graduating. We hit something about the unlearning, so I do want to kind of fill in that circle. Uh -huh. Coming back to the unlearning, you said there were, it was a skill. It was a skill of kind of letting my hair down. What was kind of your journey of unlearning and, and finding the skills of kind of letting your hair down? Mm, that's a good question. I had to come back to that. The main, my biggest step in that journey, in that process was to remove myself from all of those structures and those influences and people and environment that kind of maintained that, though, that, that system, though, that, that learning. And so I literally got up <laughs> and I moved to Chicago and I've been here for 20 years now. And so I literally, my dad accuses me to this day of running away from home. So if that's what you want to call it, then call it that. But I feel like I'm running into, not running away from, you know. So um, removing myself from that and then being open, no matter how uncomfortable it is, allowing myself to be open to an extent to where I can do this and feel a level, of, a level of comfort, but even in the discomfort, I can still just kind of push myself here and there along the way. So things like for me personally, things like I pledged Delta Sigma Theta in undergrad. Um, uh, what else? Traveling, being active in school on any level, um, involving myself, being open to a mentor or mentors. Mm -hmm and following their advice. Um, then, I, like I said, moving to, moving to a different city and state and then moving out of the country and just allowing myself to be open to these experiences as they come. So uh, doing it uncomfortable, doing it scared, um, pushing myself. I, a, lot of, a lot of things I did, I started it out with a vision board and just kind of trying to check those things off of the vision board. And so, yeah, um, that's what has kind of helped me push past and let my hair down. 
Oh, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, especially the part of letting your hair down isn't just going completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. I love how you mentioned vision boards. Mm-hmm. Just like it was still not planned, but it was still with direction. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I've never been just the. I'm too. I'm, I'm a Scorpio. I'm too structured and controlled for that. I'm Scorpio Moon. It, okay, cool. Big cool. Yeah, but I, I've I've never been that type. Maybe my twin, but <laughs> but not me. And then that's okay. That's okay with me. I'm comfortable with me until I'm not, and then I'll do something, you know, to push myself. So yeah, I still consider myself just to be have an open mind um, to not. Yeah, to not be so knee-jerk reaction to what I'm used to doing and always saying no or being closed off because I come from a very um, narrow perspective. Grew up very sheltered and so doing things despite of what may not be comfortable for me and shutting up those voices in my head that I grew up with, like, no, you can't, no, that's not good, no, what about this, you know, all of those messages that we grow up with, and um, just telling it to shut up, (laughs) I'm about to try this and do this, I'm not hurting myself, I'm not hurting anybody else, so I can do this, it's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's huge, that's a major major step which we will we will we'll come back to that mm-hmm. we're not we're not ready to go into that mm-hmm. yet but we'll come back to a few things i do kind of want to mention you know you you mentioned how letting my hair down going to different places yeah and be trying to become i try not to use, let me stop saying trying it's just becoming yeah becoming. not trying that's a redundant word in my opinion mm-hmm. becoming someone who's less reactive mm-hmm. and i feel like that is challenging especially when you travel and meet different oh, cultures. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Oh, yeah. 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 What, what, what places did you travel to? And what places mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, did that kind of, did you travel to or have to travel to in these places to kind of understand the different levels of patience and non-reactivity mm. that that takes to survive in these places? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've done some traveling, um, but I would say uh, my most recent travels uh, to Ethiopia were the most uh, learned um, where I, wow, where do I begin? (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see how I can how I can uh, <laughs> approach this. Great experiences, life, great lifetime experiences in Ethiopia. But uh, in a lot of ways, Ethiopia was a lot like where I came from. Wow! But then, totally, I'm just gonna say no. It was more like where I came from. Okay, so meaning. Um, Ethiopia uh, is very conservative, very religious, uh, even Christian, uh, and those are my backgrounds. And so I'll, I, I've I've found those backgrounds to be um, restrictive, 
oppressive, um, and uh, not fun. <laughs> so, you know, I I I saw a lot of my family and my just my my family of origin and my environment back in Texas. I felt a lot of that in Ethiopia. Okay, so. But I was also there to learn, to grow, to develop, and to teach. And so I, I had to remain open. And it's like I was, <laughs> I was fighting a battle that I had worked so hard to come out of the oppression, the, all of the... The you can't, you can't do this, and why do that, and the judgment. I felt like I had grown from a lot from that, being in Chicago, moving from Dallas to Chicago, go, matriculating through graduate school, only to go into Ethiopia to go jump right back into my childhood, and even the 1800s sometimes. That's how backwards it felt at times, just with the the patriarchy the way women were viewed and you know just the underdevelopment uh so <laughs> i had a lot of strong reactions <laughs> and i had a mouth on me <laughs> and, and if it wasn't for my mentors uh dr ba and phyllis i love you and <laughs> And my local counterparts, well, it, it depends on who we're talking about specifically. I could have stayed in some trouble just for opening my mouth because women don't talk over their women. You know, it, it, it was just it was developing. It's a developing country. So it's a developing process. You know, um, there were a couple of times when I was over there where I was ready to come back home. Because I'm like, no, it's not your way or the highway. It's my way. And I'm going to have it my way because this is what I've worked for. This is what I've worked towards. I'm over here for a reason. You need me. Yeah, I need you too. But I think you, I'm over here because I'm in a position to where you need my expertise. And so uh, we had to find a, a common ground. We had to find a middle ground. And I think that we did. So, but I had to really learn to navigate those waters on a professional level, on a postdoctoral level, on a like adult level. You know, I'm not a student anymore. I'm a professional. I'm not a child. I'm an adult. It, it, it was a lot to navigate through. Uh, I don't know if I'm being too vague, um, but. It was a great learning experience, too. Um, I learned patience along the way. <laughs> I was not always patient. I had to learn the differences in, you know, okay, this is happening because it's not they're doing this maliciously. It's just a language barrier. They just don't understand. Or they're coming from their perspective, and I'm coming from mine, so we have to find a middle ground. I just felt that sometimes when I was in Ethiopia that it was more so you have to conform to their way like when in rome do as the romans it felt like when in ethiopia do as the ethiopians and you couldn't be outside an outsider 
there and be you. You have to kind of mold to their community, the culture, you know. And because that's kind of like, that was the makeup. And I get that. And that's why you're a communal society. And that's great. But I'm from that on an ancestral level. But I did grow up in Texas, too. I'm, I'm as much American <laughs> as I identify as Pan-African. So learning those balances and, like, it, it, a lot of stuff annoyed me. Like... I didn't want to always be around somebody and somebody's always around watching, lurking. Like, you know, I, I felt really individualistic <laughs> minded when I was over there. It's just how we grew up. So I was like, oh, wow, I guess I am American, too. I felt my Americanism when I was over there. But me trying to be like not trying me being my black self, my African self, my pan-African self, you know, it was that delicate balance and figuring it all out along the way while teaching graduate courses and developing programs and things like that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. <laughs> I can laugh in hindsight. <laughs> it wasn't always funny when I was over there. Yeah, just that oppressive feeling. Oh, being told no because I'm a woman. Being told no because, oh, you have this status so you can't act like that. Mm -mm. That's not cool No I can do it all You can't tell me what I can't do I work too hard to not Do what I want to do So Pros and cons That's what Ethiopia was for me Yeah and it's Because it's ultimately A lot of times you all have the same objectives But what happens Is a lot of clashes Of terms of like approaches mm -hmm. to those same objectives mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times it's and I feel like I had to do this a lot it's like I had to be the mediator a lot of times it's like you know what mm -hmm. not, this is not going to happen unless I kind of be the bigger person mm -hmm. this is not going like the result that we both want and I see that behind all the BS yeah. this person actually does want the same result that I want but through the mechanism either me doing it or mm -hmm. the way I'm doing it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So it's almost like I have to squash that part of me that wants to do it my way and still figure out a creative solution to it where it still gets done. Yeah. Eh, my ego, eh, yeah. gonna hurt. I might have nightmares about it. I might have throw up in my mouth a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I'm so passionate about this happening. I'm willing to kind of take the backseat on this and like, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll do it this way and it'll happen. But it's like, how long do you do that before you experience burnout? Yeah. How long do you do that before you experience you falling back into the skills of letting your hair down mm -hmm. that you work so hard mm -hmm. to undo? Mm -hmm. And what I want to ask you, how, how and this is like the last phase in talking about Ethiopia, mm -hmm. I love talking about Ethiopia, but yeah. how, how difficult was that of kind of going to Ethiopia or... And this might be me assuming things, but what I'm assuming is coming from Texas to Chicago. Uh. That was like, okay, I'm in Texas, you know, kind of this, you know, yeah. by the books, in the process of learning myself, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, sorority, but still, I'm not the most let hair down. For sure. Spirit, hippie, whatever, willy-nilly, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then come to Chicago and yeah. it's like, oh, there's people way more oh, yeah. free and so-and-so. So it's like, amongst the free... 
you're like on the lower end of that. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably to your free friends, you're the more conservative mm-hmm. one. You're the more responsible one. Mm-hmm. I want to interested to see your dynamic. Come in Ethiopia, now you're the more free person there. And it's like, wow, I went from being kind of like the right. the responsible one in the group, the one, yeah. okay guys, we've got to wake up to like now I'm Ethiopia. Yeah. And I'm Mr. You know, I'm um was it Jim Carrey? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm coming out. So mm-hmm. it's like, what was that kind of dynamic? Oh wow. It was it was oh it was jarring it was very it's the culture shock you know and so it's also like you're okay i identify a certain way i'm thinking of myself a certain way i perceive myself a certain way but then you have others who perceive you a certain way and they don't know where you come from they don't know your background so it's having to navigate all of that like being true to yourself how do i be true to myself while still like you mentioned earlier, getting the end goal, y'all, y'all have the same end goal. Uh, how, what does that look like? And being able to humble yourself. And I needed help with that. <laughs> I needed a lot of help with that. Um, I was not very diplomatic. Um, I, you know, I, I felt like I'm here for a reason. I know what I'm doing. Let me do it. But I had to learn, oh, this is a new system. This is a new culture. This is a new people. This is a new language. So you have to navigate that. And whew, it, it was challenging. But I learned over time. And it, it's, a, you know, it's, not, it's not anything that you master. You just continue to learn. The more you're there, the more sensitive you become to the people, to the culture. Um, sensitive maybe even it could be even seen as being more respectful because I could have been perceived as disrespecting on certain levels the culture because um, it's just you don't do that as a woman you know you don't do that as a professor you don't do that as a doctor but I was doing it I'm like I don't care this is me (laughs) but I had to learn (laughs) to tone it down (laughs) to keep the peace I fought I bucked and I fought in the beginning but I you know what I did I moved I I, I moved from this is how I did not physically move from the town that I was in but when I wasn't working I would travel to a more liberated town and that's where I had my fun (laughs) So that was my middle ground. Are we going to name this town? We can. Okay. It, you want me to? You want oh, to it was Hawassa. <laughs> and Addis, too. But Addis was further away. Hawassa was still in the southern region. Yeah, that's that was where I went. I had a good friend there. We would go out. We'd dance. Yeah. Hawassa is my spot. So, but you couldn't do that in Walaita. Mm-mm, it's too small. It was kind of like, like I said, it was kind of like growing up on the block, so to speak. Everybody knew everybody's business, and they knew me because I wasn't from there. And by that time, you know, word gets around quickly. So, huh, just, I learned a lot about myself. I learned, it, it was such a great, that's why, I, even though I had those bumps and humps, it, it, that's fine. That's all a part of the process. You know, you have to take all of that. Just like when you're meditating and when you hear those outside noises, when you have those it, those thoughts that are, you know, outside of what you're trying to focus on, you take all of that and you just refocus it and you refocus it and you refocus it. So it's all it's all working together. Yeah.
Mm. It's just sometimes you don't know what the little dots are in the present moment, mm -hmm. but it's just in the present moment having the faith that the darts are going to connect in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's all you have. Yeah. You, you literally don't have that. nothing else. Yeah. You know, it's just that faith that like whether I'm doing it doesn't matter what I'm doing right now, mm -hmm. whether how I feel right now in this moment. It's not that you're not acknowledging how you feel. It's just you're not holding on to that and letting that define what the future is going to be. Mm -hmm. Cause that mm -hmm. just blocks you, yeah, and that's how you stay stuck. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it it's it's still it's hard to be. That's a that's a high level <laughs> type of thinking, um, because you want to be you you you're comfortable with where you are. This is who I am. This is how I am. This is where I'm from. You know, how dare you? And so it's easy to stay right there. It takes a higher level of consciousness and vibration to be able to be at that place to where oh i'm open enough to sit with how i feel but then be open to see and experience what's going on around me until we all kind of meet at the same level and until we move until we keep moving and progressing because you had a lot of people who wanted to stay down here and i'm like i'm trying to be up here i've been down there i know what that looks like you know so Sometimes I wish I could just transfer consciousness. Mm. It's like, I'm at that place right now, mm -hmm. or, or I know somebody who's at that place right now. Right. Let me just plug in to you, yeah. and let me just get there. Yeah. So we don't we don't gotta like feel how we feeling at the place that like if we keep feeling here, we gonna eventually get there, knowing that faith. But right. it's like, how about we just get that step? I wish sometimes we could just be. Yeah. There. Yeah. But um, it is it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It is a for a, sure a, a journey. The last thing I want to talk about on this kind of. <laughs> the saga of you traveling is mm -hmm. now that you've experienced all this you know you've learned to you know okay there's different places and, and not different literal time zones but they really on a different time completely. literally yes you know and spending time there and going back and kind of fall in love with the culture and like okay wow you know my mm -hmm. whole view of the world has changed mm -hmm. now coming back to chicago coming mm -hmm. back to this busy city oh. coming back oh. to you know one of your loves you know mm -hmm. how did that forever like or, or how did that impact the way you looked at it did you find yourself like hanging around like i can't ever go back i don't think the same like yeah. did you have to switch up your whole friend group did you did you look at things different like how did that kind of coming back like how did that change your perspective hmm okay um i actually started grieving <laughs> me leaving ethiopia and having to go back to my old life, so to speak, in Chicago, because I knew what that was gonna look like. So in Ethiopia, the currency is also extremely different. The dollar burr. is, yeah, the burr. <laughs> the, the, the dollar is way much more value than the burr. I, so I was rich over there, even though in comparison over here, I was making um, a very, oof, standard wage um it, it would not be livable here in my opinion uh with a doctorate but over there i was rich so to speak yeah balling right but i still had my responsibilities here so a lot of my money there went back here um anyway said that to say i started grieving oh i gotta go back home to chicago I got to start studying for this license. I got to find a job. I got to pay real, real rent again. I got to, you know, just start back 
adulting <laughs> on this level. It's like I'm working over here. I'm I'm doing all this greatness over here in Ethiopia, but it, there's a lot of cushion. There's a, it's just Africa. I mean, like there's no comparison. Like this is it felt like a a living vacation if that makes sense. Like this is my lifestyle, but it, it feels like a living vacation too. Even though I'm getting stuff done. So uh, that just, I got to think about that. <laughs> but, and so I started grieving having to come back to Chicago to the real world and, and what that would look like knowing the financial strain I would be in and having to kind of start back over, but coming back with all this wealth of knowledge too. And so using that to my advantage. And that's what I did and teaching others what I learned just by modeling, if nothing else. Um, or um, I did some couple of speaking engagements and um, just got back to that particular hustle and grind. So I got, I fell right back into it. You know, I was more used to that than I was to my life in Ethiopia. So it wasn't, I feel like I came back better, more experienced, and still open. That was an important dot that needed to kind of click for you. Mm -hmm. And it's, at the time, maybe you didn't know, or at the time it was sometimes painful and mm -hmm. suffering. But then, like you said, you look back fondly on it. Mm -hmm. and yeah, for sure. That means that you did something right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, today, as you can see, we have the Treehouse Delicacies, the Treehouse Healthy Basic Diet Alkaline Gang. You feel me? Uh, Dr. Sabi put me on. Okay. And um, feel free to knock yourself out with the plum, plum wat uh, and the apple. We got the asparagus. We got radishes. This is the diet to achieving your dreams because mm. you'll have so much energy. You won't have nothing else to do but achieve your dreams. I like that. <laughs> and we got kombucha. Um, sponsor me. What brand is this? I don't know the name. I'm too it's turned around. I can't see. But you walk and tell by the label who you are. Just sponsor, sponsor this. Because <laughs> I'd be religiously buying from y'all. Mm -hmm. We oh, got to cheers to this. Cheers. Cheers to an amazing start. Yes. Every day for the new days of our lives. I like that. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like the flavor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not too strong, mm -hmm. but just that right amount of like fizziness. It's definitely there. You know, kombucha is kombucha, but I've acquired a taste to a lot of healthy stuff. <laughs> I don't mind it. You're one of the, the lucky ones. Mm -hmm. Especially when you know it's good for you because gut health is the best health, really. Yes. That's everything. A lot of stuff happens in the gut. Yeah. That causes a lot of stuff that happens in the body. You know what an interesting fact? What? Not to, um, it's not that disgusting, but basically the gut is so important. People literally give people poop transplants. They put somebody, like they'll take a healthy person's poop mm. because that's like indicative of their gut biome. Yeah. They'll implant it in an unhealthy person's poop. And literally that the unhealthy person will start craving the stuff that the healthy person eats. Interesting. And becomes healthy without needing all that discipline. Becomes healthy without suffering, having to go <clears> diet <throat> and mentally anguish. They'll just crave raw asparagus. They'll just crave Plum now that's a science I haven't heard of. It's kind. Of, it sounds like a like a blood transplant, so to it's speak. A transplant. Wow. Because you gotta make sure that person don't got nothing, but it works. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The more you know. Interesting. <laughs> you know, so that I love how you mentioned gut helps mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. You know, 
know, you are what you eat. And the things Literally. that you eat want, will want you to eat more things that got you to eat in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's where how it works. Before we went on break, though, <coughs> you hit an interesting chord. <laughs> I want to talk about this. I'm a little scared to talk about it, but we're going to talk mm, about okay. it. And it's basically, you mentioned how you were working in Ethiopia. Yeah. I saw you there, you know, mm-hmm. the campus. Well, like to Soto University, mm-hmm. you were working there. But I like how you mentioned, compared to the U.S., it was like a vacation-ish. Yeah. This, maybe I well, like, well, I mean, I worked hard <clears throat> when I worked, but when work was done, you know, oh, I had all this free time. Oh, no, I did a lot over there. I, I established because I was one of the pioneers of the program, the counseling psychology program at the university. It had They had never had that before. So I did a lot of the developing. So uh, when I worked, I worked. I uh but it didn't take a 40-hour work week to get all my work done, no matter how hard I work. Yeah. So that's what I meant with that. Um, but, yeah, I did a lot. A lot of the networking, um, establishing those relationships, um, uh, seeing, you know, supervising, teaching, mm. mentoring, you know. It, yeah, it was a lot. But, again, it didn't take 40 hours in a week to get all that stuff done. So. Mm-hmm. I could play a lot too. The reason I bring that up, this podcast, a lot of times I try to like bring examples that help young men mm-hmm. specifically. And this might be stretching it, and it may not be like, but I can pull from your experience and my experience is a lot. In a lot of ways, being overseas can be easier. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it can be harder. Mm-hmm. But in the ways that it is easier, people get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And people don't grow in those areas. Mm. And I want to mention the topic of. You mentioned how like you you went there you were rich, you know st- standard salary in the U.S. But over there, yeah, you Rick Ross. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> pockets fat. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, luckily, fortunately, we are evolved people who try our best to not take advantage of people, not manipulate, mm-hmm. so so forth. However, there's people out here, they realize that like, wow, as an American, I kind of have clout here or I'm kind of popular here. Never experienced this before in America, Mm -hmm. but suddenly I'm here in Africa and it's like, girls finally give me the time of day. Mm -hmm. Um, I can go to this club and be balling. I can go to, so it's like a lot of people, they go to these different countries to live at a higher level of life than they could live here. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to say is, I deeply feel, I deeply feel that when you do this though, you are shooting yourself in the potential foot. Mm-hmm. Like if, if potential of what you could be is a foot, you shot mm-hmm. yourself in. Because in those areas where it is a struggle, like say, say you can't find a true love in the US, mm-hmm. you go over there to find a true love. And it's like, is that really a true love? Right. Or was she just, you were the best she could find because you have money because like, again, going back to the you rich over there. or. But it's like, if you're happy, I guess that's what it's all about. But then it's like, maybe by like working on the skills that the reason, there's a reason you couldn't find a true love in the U.S. Uh. There were real reasons why you couldn't, maybe like, like you said, one of the things you learned was like, you learned to be a better listener. Mm-hmm. You learned to be more respectful or you, or just, you learned to just be more patient. Mm-hmm. These are skills that help you become, find a better lover or be yeah. more likable. 
but it's like you kind of skip that growth going to a different country because they'll just take you for you over there and it's like this whole concept to just be you and just be you I don't know if yeah. you out here treating people wrong and you out here just literally a bad person maybe don't be you <coughs> exactly you know what I'm saying so it's like I kind of want to just go off on that little tangent to, to show how I love how you came back right and I'm not saying you won't go back I'm not saying you might not you know maybe you will find someone or, or I might find someone but it's just to say like don't lean into that don't use other countries in my in my personal opinion don't take advantage of other countries to compensate in areas of your life where you need growth and where yeah. you're lacking just because it's comfortable just because it's an easy way out yeah but how else will you get it? i mean that's because that's uh, it's part of learning too right yeah um <clears throat> people learn on a lot of di- a lot of different ways mm-hmm. they a lot of different mediums and and that could be one of them but i think the fine line is where you become dependent on it and then you rely on it to where it's like it handicaps and handicaps you um then that's where it becomes problematic because now it's like okay so okay are you still growing are you still learning are you still developing yeah but it's it's okay to if you you start out that way it's like i was saying with uh the people who are Kind of like self-proclaimed blank, you know, yeah. on the on the camera and on these social media platforms. Fine, but just evolve from that too. Don't stay there, you know. Mm, and I love I love how you add that. It's like I feel like it is a uh, for people who've never experienced that. Mm. Sometimes you need to just experience what it feels like mm. to be even shown the time of day by right. somebody to mm-hmm. be shown that somebody that you have value. Some mm-hmm. people have such low self-esteem they've never even be shown love or value wow. or attention before mm-hmm. so i would say for people like that that's good mm-hmm. but i like how you come on and say it's like don't be don't let that become a crutch exactly i've seen people in their 40s in their 50s in their 60s in their 70s and it's like that's the go-to can't wait for my vacay in panama where i'm mm-hmm. just gonna splurge and hit all the strip clubs yeah and it's like that's their cycle and it's just like that's that's honestly like, i mean if it makes you happy but it's just like I, 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 I would be damned if like when I get to that age these are the things that I need to rely on instead of you know having an inner source right. of fulfillment mm-hmm. that comes not from these, these strippers not from mm-hmm. the, this extra money that I have I'm spending on casinos here not from you know these friends mm-hmm. who all hit me up every day and give me that validation like look how popular I am just because I'm American I would rather not. I would rather right. just be able in my hammock meditating <laughs> and then be able to just build a sandcastle and just chill and sleep in it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Love to go for that. Um, That's just something I had to get off my Yeah. Head. I got a lot of friends in America like, ooh, I'm going to just go to here, Ethiopia, find me a so-and-so. Yeah. Queen, or find me a... So, and I'm like, That's fine. But like, Maybe work on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> because I know what kind of person you are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. When I came over here, I didn't know I was going to have the life that I had over there. Um, you know, I was I actually went to Ethiopia for a job. That was number one. I need to make money. <laughs> right. That was my number one. Everything else came secondary. A lot of gifts and, and, and rewards came as a result. But yeah, I was over there hustling too. Right. As you should. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but thank you for um <laughs> well, watching me rant. Yeah, it's all good. For the listeners. Good stuff. Good you stuff. Know, I, need to, I need to know that. Good stuff. I do want to get back to the the practice. Uh-huh. I had a guest come on. Shout out to Ellis. And he is someone who's in the foster system mm-hmm. growing up. All throughout his life, 
he he actually started therapy very young as a kid, mm. all throughout because you know just dealing with mm-hmm. a lot of trauma growing up, and he, he had an interesting perspective. He mentioned how as a kid, you know, it was kind of like this is something I have to do. They make me do it. Mm-hmm. whatever. I just can't wait till it's over. And then as seventeen, sixteen, like oh, this is why they do it. It's actually kind of useful. But what he really made interesting to me was he said there's a lot to building trust with the therapist. Mm-hmm. It's basically like finding a therapist for you is such a tedious process he was telling me mm-hmm. about. And I would like to hear the flip side of that from you as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Is there like a relationship with the client that you feel like that, okay, with this client, I'm going to have this approach or how, how am I making this client feel comfortable? How, how does that dynamic kind of play mentally for you? Okay. Well, it goes back to my training. Um, so I'm trained as a clinical psychologist um and when we are learning how to sit with clients we we first learn they teach us early on what is your um you have to choose a theoretical orientation how you're going to what framework you're going to work from okay so there are several ones the main ones are you have cognitive behavioral therapy you have psychodynamic psychoanalytic humanistic client-centered same thing that's me um and then you have some other uh alternative therapies out there but those are the main ones that they teach you in school in graduate school they have these other, um, I don't know if they would be considered uh, or theoretical orientations, but they're different, definitely approaches to work from. You, you hear the buzzwords like shadow work, yes. things like that. So that would technically be like an orientation. However, uh, it's not what's taught in graduate programs. Uh, so... I adopted, um, I'm actually integrative. I integrate um, humanism or uh, client-centered therapies with um, cognitive behavioral therapies. So um, when we're sitting with the client, it's, you put you out of the room. I mean, in terms of your perspective, your values, it's about the client and how you can meet that person, you know. But from a client-centered perspective, you're kind of, you're stepping into their shoes, but at the same time, you're kind of keeping one foot out so that you can have that balance and, and keep that objectivity. So, but all therapy starts with building a rapport with the client because we're a stranger too to them you know they're we're getting to know them they're getting to know us so that we can build that trust so that we can work together and do the work of therapy and the healing process can begin so that that's a whole process that they teach us that and it it's something that you learn and that it's a skill that you develop over time some people are naturally good at it because some people are naturally good listeners and um, they can process well and things like that um, but at the same time when you bring in another person into the room you know they're coming with their stuff and you're still human as a therapist you have your stuff but you are trained to keep your stuff at bay you mentioned the word transference earlier 
we talk about transference and countertransference because we are human. Some of our stuff can kind of seep in and we start feeling some kind of way because, oh, that's touching on my stuff, what you're talking about. So let me go over here to my supervisor. Let me go over here to my colleague and let, or my therapist and let me talk about this with them so that my stuff won't affect my client that I'm teach uh, that I'm um, providing the services for. So that's the stuff we talk about exactly of course of course I, I would say every therapist needs a therapist every doctor needs a doctor every preacher needs their own preacher and so on and so on absolutely mm -hmm. and it's just because like Bunky branching off of that he all the same individual great guy he mentioned how having therapy most of his life mm. kind of just you know I don't know the typical approach but it's kind of this him kind of pouring out mm -hmm. you know just the therapist asking questions to kind of let that person reveal more of what's the source and he said like that was very helpful he mentioned to me though what was 10 times more helpful to him was that actually having a conversation with someone he built more connection with mm -hmm. and still there's that listening still that there's that pouring but also like hearing that person pour too mm. Yeah, so I was like, that's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. And he was like, maybe that's onto something like, maybe especially in the black community, maybe what we might be more comfortable with is more of a conversation. Maybe not just the one person just mm -hmm. completely listening. I feel like a lot of times we feel like we're being spied on or we feel like big yeah. brother. Yeah, so like, yeah. I feel like that's foreign to us. Like we almost mm -hmm. have to unlearn that. Like, oh, mm -hmm. me just speaking out, spelling my business. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know this person's intentions. I don't know if this person, but like through a dialogue, that trust is built where oh this person is, is just like me this person the homie this person okay yeah then they'll, then they'll even like reveal more mm. and, <laughs> and we kind of did that on the podcast mm -hmm. and it, it he kind of opens up and we're talking about stuff on the podcast I'm like well, i don't even know that about you yeah but it's like he's like he's got further on this podcast than he has with a lot of his therapists oh wow and i was like wow uh-huh so there's just like um, are there different approaches to therapy where it's like that's kind of considered like more conversational or I don't know no we're trained against <laughs> that it, it, it okay so it's a lot that came up with you saying that okay um no we are trained against that for okay so let's see where do I begin um narrative therapy is the orientation where the therapist will walk the client through them essentially telling their story okay uh so that's from a from a psychological perspective from a from a therapy perspective um now what i think this gentleman was talking about was the stuff that they don't teach you in school is the stuff that I had to learn on my own because I also provide therapy services from an African-centered perspective. That's totally different from westernized um, and Europeanized therapies and psychology. We are more storytellers. You know, we don't go and talk to one person in a room and tell all our, our business and then walk away and say, oh yeah, I've been helped, right? As Africans, people or people of African descent, 
the tribe comes together, the council comes together, you know, the griot comes together, and we tell stories. And, and so, so it's finding that balance. Like, how do I do my therapy from the way I was trained, but then also being true to myself and my people so that I can actually help heal my community? Right. That's the, goal, isn't it? that's the goal. That's the goal. So we have to look at our approach. And I'm a, I'm a part of the Association of Black Psychologists. We talk about that all day, every day, about how we work from an African centered perspective um, to provide the healing in our communities and with our people. So but we're all trained under that umbrella. And so. We have to do the work to train ourselves, to teach ourselves, but that's a work in progress, just like our existence here in the Americas are. Um, yeah, like play by ear. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be able to, um, like, to, to even now, like even from working from an African uh, cent African centered perspective. <laughs> Um, it's not see therapy is not about the therapist it's about the person who's there why are you here especially when we're talking about individual therapy now group therapy is another approach that's another uh, way to do therapy uh, couples therapy is another way to do therapy you have the two people in the room but it's not about the therapist divulging their information their personal business because what value does that give to the healing of that particular client now I'm not so rigid personally uh, that I can't tell them anything because depending on how you were trained you know we could we were trained to kind of like be a blank slate where the client doesn't know anything about us no touching you know you you can't you, you know, you can't even shake the client's hand, you know, because that may trigger something in them. And but black people, we hug, you know. So if you know that a hug is not going to trigger your client in any kind of way, it's OK to hug a client. But we are trained against that type of stuff. So, again, it's finding that balance between how to do therapy from your perspective versus how you were trained from their perspective. Um, I feel like I was going somewhere with that though. Um, so me personally, um, I'm trying to get my thought back. Uh, I forgot my thought. I was sitting down, hugging. Yeah. Have a group therapy. Yeah, individual therapy. Um, I feel like I made the point, but I just, I, I wanted to say something more specific. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. How about this? I'll help you. And mm -hmm. back. Sure. So I'll tell a little story. A friend of mine, he's actually white. Mm -hmm. He's in his 50s. So, and he said, you know, he had the kind of psychologist you were explaining, which is the more don't shake hands, mm -hmm. don't anything, I don't want to trigger. Mm -hmm. Don't even talk anything about. You mm -hmm. barely know his name. It's just mm -hmm. just here. But guess what? I want to know everything about you. And he mentioned he was having issues with just unpacking a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. and it was hindering him in his job. Mm -hmm. This is when he's retired now, but during his CEO days, like having to be apply that energy to like lead a team, mm -hmm. and it was it got to a point where it was interfering with his productivity. 
and he just he kind of needed help solutions he had he had gone to a lot of different people he had seen like i believe he has like a, a spiritual guru he's seen mm-hmm. a shaman mm-hmm. he'd done yoga you know he's seen other forms of therapists but this was like i think a psychiatrist yeah that was different so i don't know if that's you even have thoughts on this but essentially he mentioned how he had like a he was dealing with the fact that he couldn't get over a certain feeling you know mm-hmm. and i don't want to divulge what it was but it mm-hmm. was like familial t- childhood trauma mm-hmm. and he kind of pinpointed what it was but he kind of you know said that this is the this is the um the roadblock and can you help me get through it mm-hmm. and the psychologist kind of gave him the homework it's like do this you know talked him through it and he kind of did his own thing did his own spiritual you know remedy to it mm-hmm. comes back two months later to the psych- psychiatrist and is like so actually no and first the psychiatrist was telling him like okay th- this problem that you have have you overcome it and then he's like no i haven't overcome it yet but i figured out some solutions you know my own kind of traditional okay. solutions of overcoming it and the psychiatrist kind of told him like stop lying to yourself let's use let's say his name is jimmy stop mm-hmm. lying to yourself jimmy we know you haven't overcome it yet mm-hmm. stop coping stop avoiding the psychiatrist mm-hmm. kind of getting aggressive and defensive but he's trying to say like no like i have i'm working towards it mm-hmm. you're not even listening to me you're saying that I'm, I'm not avoiding it it's just if you would just let me listen and maybe have a different approach mm-hmm. and essentially the conversation we had later was a lot of not like i'm not targeting people but a lot of people who get these degrees or they go into the professional area and then not fresh off the boat so not maybe not doctors in residency or maybe not the people who you know just got their degrees in the first two years but i'm talking about sometimes because he said the guy was experienced yeah you know, had been working 10 15 plus years he said he said the feeling he got was almost a feeling of subordination a feeling mm. of like, almost like i'm right you're wrong we're not trying anything else mm-hmm. like he felt very like like just disregarded mm-hmm. and kind of neglected and he never like went to that psychiatrist yeah. again but my question to you is are, do you seen it and maybe your peers or do you see yeah. psychologists kind of applying this one size fit all rule right. to everybody and right. it's like and it's like maybe maybe like don't sit on your high horse maybe your soapbox maybe get off your soapbox yeah you're you know experienced for 20 years and so mm-hmm. and so and you know you maybe you've helped x x x y y y hundreds of clients but but maybe like maybe your approach could use some you know mm-hmm. what's your thought on maybe like some practices or some some approaches to it that could use some adaptation and this is a white right. line doing it so it's right, like right. not even just like oh we got to be conversational narrative but just like overall mm-hmm. yeah that good question that is um yeah so what you're describing what i hear you saying is um you, those psychologists, psychiatrists who work strictly from their training, their theoretical orientation, and they don't budge from that and anything outside of that, um, it's considered, you know, pathology or whatever for the client. I've never felt comfortable with that approach. That's why I've always considered myself uh, integrative. Uh, some it's also called eclective therapy, mm-hmm. uh, where you're basically you're sensitive to. Well, I, I'm sensitive to uh, re- people who um, come from religious and spiritual backgrounds, um, the cultural differences, all of that. 
that all has to be taken into account when you're dealing with people because there is no one size fits all, although you have a lot of people in the profession who work from that angle and that does not really serve the client. Um, it may serve a few, but the people who I want to work for, no, we need we need to talk. Sometimes we need to talk about Jesus. Sometimes we need to talk about your trauma. Sometimes we need to talk about this coping skill and how to get over that. But we're going to talk about it all. And I'm going to um, not assume the role as expert, but I'm in there with you. But at the same time, I I'm learning, but I'm keeping that objectivity so that I can help you navigate the things you may not be able to see. So I'm sensitive to it. And if I don't know something, I'm going to do the work that I need to do in order to be able to meet that client where they are. That's so that's the approach I take. Essentially, it's more integrative. It's um, being culturally sensitive, diversity, multiculturalism. They call it what do they they have all these different trainings now since the George Floyd and all of the killings and whatnot. So all of that is, you know, on the forefront of, of the conversation now, but that's the stuff that I learned in, in graduate school um, and have had to take on to be proactive in learning on my own because one class will not get it, <laughs> you know. So I've made it like my approach to therapy as well. So I hope that answers like your question or like with, yeah. Yeah, it was more so I'm almost thinking out loud, just like mm -hmm. I would love to have perspective on that, you know, from like a professional, mm -hmm. and just like, you know, because sometimes it's different inside looking out. You mm -hmm. know? So that was a, a good yeah. tidbit to offer, just like that's their approach. This is yeah. your approach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, me personally, I had a, a medical doctor who I was seeing. It was a gynecologist and and I was asking her. She she came from the traditional you know, medical model, doctor is the expert, you do as you're told, you know, and all of that. And I was wanting to have a conversation, letting her know these are my symptoms. This is what's going on with me. You know, I know me, I've lived with this. And so, uh, but she wasn't having it. And I had to fire her because like, even from a medical perspective, it's like, no, this isn't working for me. You're not even listening to what I'm saying. You're not even considering what any alternatives are. She said, I don't work from that. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not trained in that. And basically this is what I do. And so it wasn't a good fit. So I, I left <laughs> and, you know, kept moving. And it's the same thing in therapeutic relationships. You have to find that good fit. Like your friend was talking about, everybody's not a good fit for you. People are trained in certain ways. They come from certain perspectives. And although, although as the professional and the clinician and the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the therapist, the counselor, we're supposed to be working from a place of objectivity and keeping our stuff in check. Um, some people are not very good at that. And they need to work on that before they go out and try to help others. Again, it's, that goes back to those people who just are trying to work through their own stuff. It's like, no, <laughs> maybe this is not your calling because <laughs> you've been you're doing more harm than you are good being impacted by what someone is telling you. And you can't even get yourself together enough to be able to help them. That's not good. That's not good at all. That's out there, too. That's out there, too. You got some of everything out there. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big point. 
before we wrap up, I do kind of want to touch on like two more things. Is like mm-hmm. you know we see the, the George Floyd, we see mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, we see you know let's end hate against Asians. We saw all that coming up mm-hmm. after COVID. We see a lot of you know just a lot of political stuff, a lot of you know with Pride and then the, the abandoning abortion and then yeah. some senators and I think Supreme Court justices trying to return gay marriage and stuff like that. Wow. We see a lot of stuff happening. A lot of triggers. Can mm-hmm. be a lot of triggers for a lot of people. And my thing is, we, as a society, we're becoming more aware of mental health. We're becoming more aware mm-hmm. of death. We're becoming mm-hmm. more aware of shadow work. Mm-hmm. All these, you know, these key terms being thrown around. And, and another thing is, we see people in the midst of all of this transformation. We see people stay resistant to like nope doesn't exist mm-hmm. therapy what mental health who mental what mm-hmm. what's anxiety we back in my day yeah we hear a lot of that what what do you think is the resistance to coming to terms with the fact that we are human beings and mental health is mental wealth mm-hmm. why do you think people resist that concept uh well from from a cognitive behavioral perspective, um, there's something that we call our core values and core beliefs. So it's like in the middle of a, a circle and um, it's your core. It's it's uh, a culmination of what you grew up with, the messages you were, you learned along the way uh, from your family, from your from your your uh, community. Those are instilled. Those are the things that are not going to change for the most part. And if they do, it would take a lot of work. But core values are typically just that core. They're 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 set, they're locked into place, right? And so when you have people who choose to stay there in their core values and belief systems and not allow themselves to be open to other possibilities, other perspectives, that's where the divide comes in. That's where the the hate, the racism comes in. So, for example, a person who has, we we talk about that in in, in CBT um, therapy where my job as a therapist would be to help you first of all identify what your core values and beliefs are and okay how is this working for you how is it not working for you so let's unpack this if it's not working for you what can we do to help you move further along um, in your life and in your relationships and in your your family at, on your work uh, at your job to be able to function better essentially you know, you may have to let go of some of these beliefs in core, or at least have an understanding enough to where you know that, oh, that's where this is coming from. So I know that in this case with this person, that doesn't work for them. So let me rethink this or let me be more flexible in my thinking. So that's all the process of what we do in therapy. You help the person come to that those conclusions and 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 figure some things out uh, of them so that they won't continue these same patterns with the world around them. That's that's the work that we do. Uh, <laughs> that's a trigger for me. <laughs> it's it's not it's not a it, it's it's I'm biased. It's beyond a life coach. 
<laughs> uh, we do the work beyond a life coach because we go deeper. Um, a life. <laughs> Let it out. We're not going to cancel you. Let's go. I'm trying to see how I can say this. But just essentially, um, as a, psych a psychotherapist uh, goes deeper, we get to the, the heart, the core, and we and, and that can happen. Um, it it for, from the perspectives that I work from, like it depends on how fast the client wants to move. Uh, that's that's where my humanism comes in. Um, but how do I say this? I want to be respectful of that profession. I'm just gonna say we go deeper. We um, we're trained to be able to tease out and um, help the, the client unpack these things and identify these things, uh, so that they can actually begin the healing process of moving away from certain patterns and behaviors and beliefs that don't work, that are keeping them stuck. And then that's once they get the insight and the awareness, then you can start doing the tools and the things, the, the skills in order to, you know, have better outcomes in your life. I think the life coach just starts with the tools and the skills when that without the understanding or helping the client understand where did this come from? Like, what does all this mean? Why do I keep doing this even though I'm trying to fix it over here? Because you haven't really got to the root so we get to the root cause of things mm -hmm. in psychotherapy. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a very, I feel like, resourceful and like just applicable, practical way people listening to this could take notes and mm -hmm. like, oh, there's more to this. Oh, yeah. Get deeper. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I appreciate that. And a good life coach would tell anybody uh, yeah, this is beyond me. You need to go see a therapist. We can do this work over here, but you need to go see a therapist to unpack these these things because I'm not trained in that. I'm not, you know, I, I don't deal with trauma and things like that. So a good life coach would recommend that. But, uh, you know, someone who's just out there trying to get a, a, pay, uh, a paycheck, then, they you know, they'll take that on not knowing how much potential damage they could be doing to that client that they're uh, trying to serve because trauma is real and it needs to be dealt with very delicately and and professionally and, and from a trained, you know, person. Because there's liability, it's all of that. And then from the moral perspective, too. You don't want to be jacking somebody up and, and then just, oh, well, I'm sorry. And oh, <laughs> now they're suicidal. Now they're ready to, you know, go and shoot up something. Because this has been triggered in them and you don't know how to deal with that. But a psychologist does. Okay. So, yeah. They better <laughs> if they call themselves a psychologist, you know. You know, that's why they have the whole licensure. They have all of the stuff that they put us through, the training, the, the coursework, all of that. All that means something. You don't do that just to be doing it. So I would say, yes, we better be. And if you're not, then don't call yourself that. But if you make it to that point, then yes, I, I believe. I, I do have faith in my profession and the people who are in it. I know that everybody is not you know the best but at it but you know i do have faith in it 
that people who are in those positions are there because they really want to help. I, so I, I'm going to I default to that, that people are trying to do the better good than they are just out to, you know, do all the other stuff. No, yeah, no, that was uh, very much needed. That was very much needed. You know, not to scare people, to mm -hmm. not talk to people and not aspire to be a life coach, mm -hmm. but just, just know that you are in a very, what is it? Spider-Man said, not Spider-Man, the uncle who keeps dying. Mm. Uncle Ben said, with great power. Oh, yeah. Comes great responsibility. Exactly, I love that if line. If you another Spider-Man movie, please stop killing Uncle Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah. Uncle Ben, life matters. Yeah. <laughs> And I love that line. I Every totally quote it. Yeah. It's like, it's, at this point, it's, it's genocide. I didn't see the latest one, so I'm gonna have to check it out. They didn't show him die, but he still died. Off yeah, brain. you you know it not, though. It's, not, yeah. it's, it's, it's not right. Uncle Ben life matters. Complete tangent. Uncle Ben life matters. Like stop killing this man. But but great power comes great Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and not to kind of go back into a darker place, but. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to Texas, and we, yeah. I kind of want to end on this, but okay. going back to Texas, you know, that kind of strict, you know, upbringing is like, mm -hmm. you know, this is how we do things, you know, keeping things private, keeping things within the family, mm -hmm. you know, hearing the wealth of knowledge that you have, the wealth of information and perspective and, you know, just the theoretical, you know, wisdom that you provide. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought to bring that? to your family, bring that to your loved ones, you know, kind of offer that value to them. And A, uh, what was that like? And B, how was the response to that? You know, not in a formal sense, because we're not, you know, when, when you're trained and that, that is something that, um, yeah, it, it, when you talk about um, that, okay, so in the Western world, when you're trained in, as a psychologist or even a psychiatrist, you don't treat your family, you don't treat your friends, mm -hmm. you don't treat people you know because of bias, because of all of our stuff. Like, you can't tease that apart. Like, I could never be my father's therapist. <laughs> Come on, I mean, I grew up with him. It's it's too all of those familial connections. That it, that's like um, it's unethical on many levels. We have a whole class on ethics and law uh, about why that's not uh, wise or safe for the client. Um, so I, I would never go back home to go to my family to try to provide them direct services. But I am a supportive family member I am a resource that's number one like oh this is going on okay well maybe you need to go talk to this person or go 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 to this agency or check that out or you know so that's me in in relationship to my family however my family's not really um, has not been open to that so when I come home I'm just D coming home to hang out at the family gathering there is not even a lot of conversation about hey so what's going on up there in chicago or how you doing how is your practice or no nah, it's not that it's just d being home like people kind of keep you in their box of how they know you and but regardless of whether you are you know you know you can be in their box from you know from their perspective but if you know that that's not you anymore then live your life do you be you but I'm not going to allow 
you know, like my family or anybody to put me in that box and still relate to me in that way without me saying no. You know, that may have been my 12 year old self, but no, this is who I am now. I'm, I'm a professional. I'm, I, I live alone. I, you know, I am self-sufficient in a city all by myself without any of y'all. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, you just have to know who you are. But back to my family. Yes, I'm just a resource to them. And um, if they you know, allow me to be, and I'll provide whatever information and knowledge I know if they if they ask. But yeah. how do you deal with, or maybe you don't deal with it, but how do you deal with kind of you seeing things or seeing things objectively wrong? Mm -hmm. Object, not even like subjectively. This is objectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not the way to live, or that's not the. But but not knowing a. Is it my place to, to, to bring mm -hmm, it up? Mm -hmm. Or B, mustering up the courage to bring it up mm -hmm. and then getting a response that is like, wow. And then C, how do you process that later? Yeah, you're talking about with my family yeah. in particular. Um, yeah, so I, I always default to if it's not hurting yourself or hurting anyone else to the point of like detrimental hurt like death and all of that um then sometimes it's just best to be quiet about it because you know i have some family members very close family members who no matter what you say or do doesn't matter they're gonna do what they want to do regardless but so i find myself trying to find that balance by saying okay I will put it out there I'm gonna say it and then I'm done with it at least I've put it out there maybe that was a seed planted but I can at least say I did my part um, from my professional perspective or from my uh, experience that this doesn't look too good what you're doing here you know I have a close family member now like you know it's hard to get through to them no matter no matter what but they've always been like that and so they're gonna have to do their own work I can only just be that that support for them and that loving family member for them so it it, it kind of sucks because you know you really want to do more like I, I set out to do this and it'd be great to be able to help my family but people still have to want help just like our clients they have to want help I figure if they make it to my office even my virtual office, then at you know you're at a place to where you at least want help. You want to hear what I have to say, you know. So, but you can't really step on anybody's toes if because then they're looking at you like oh whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's not even that. Yeah. Let's not even go there. Exactly. So. Yeah. Just personally, I, that's just kind of personal to me. Uh huh. Like, as much as I love my parents. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things. Me too. <laughs> you know, I love the, the F, you know, sugar, honey, iced tea. You know? <laughs> but it's, there are things that as I'm on my journey, and I have so much more to learn, mm -hmm. and I have so much more to learn, <clears throat> but there are a lot of things that I'm looking back, and especially on my siblings, they have a lot of things they're looking back, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of situations they were put through mm -hmm. because of my parents, and everybody do I feel like everybody does the best they can with the yeah, tools they have. For sure. With the framework that they have yes. at the time. Mm -hmm. that they, that I they agree. Have. So it's never like could have, should have, could have. We're not about that. Yeah. It's not about the should have, could have, would have. Mm -hmm. However, sometimes bringing these things up to them, they feel that you, it is the should have, could have, would have. And they, and they project because they do feel guilt or whatever by the way they did a certain mm -hmm. approach. Or they feel that they could have done. They act, 
actually opt to get defensive and then they either change the subject, they either um, project and, and, or, or try to talk about how like, well, look at all the good things mm-hmm. you've done, mm-hmm. this A, B, and C, or try to flip it and say it's your fault. That's the worst thing. Oh, like, wow. Or this, th- this happened because actually like, you know, this would have never happened if you never so and so and so, or you wanted to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I happened. And it's like, I literally just all I wanted was to just I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't even wanna. Why? Mm-hmm. I, all I wanted was a. I realized what I put you through wasn't the best. And although I can't change that, I want you to know if I could, I would have put you through better. That's all I wanted. That's all I want to yeah. hear from you. Mm-hmm. But you'll never get it. Mm-hmm. And I hope they watch this episode. Mm-hmm. I really do hope. I love my parents, but I hope they watch this episode. Like we're all prepared as all my siblings to like confront them and tell them this and like mm. how we feel mm-hmm. and we have in the past, but like kind of as like all together. Okay. Like, no, it's either sit down and do like group therapy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing like crazy, insane, but it's just still things that like let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is a rant or, or just in your opinion on it, but it's just like, yeah, just like, I guess coming to terms. Yeah. The fact that you may never get that. Yeah. Acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah. And and then how do I live, move, pat, move beyond that while still being their son, while still, you know, loving them. Yeah. Mhm. And God forbid they make their transition and then you still, you know, it still doesn't happen. So then having to live with that unresolved stuff, you know, so it always goes back to you. It always goes back to you. You know, and like literally a guest I had, you know, he was abused by his his father, you know, and he had the weird... I don't want to say weird, but like, what are the odds experience of actually, people talk about my father's last words, mm-hmm. but actually having his father's last words as like from being abused as a child for this person. And just his perspective was like, and he actually got, he got the sorry mm. from his father. So that's something, but mm-hmm. too, it's like knowing what that person took from them yeah. and did to them. Like, yeah. And it's just like sometimes we even get that closure. Sometimes we even get that sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, is that enough? Yeah. And that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so we think that's what we want, but like when we get it, is that even what we want? Mm-hmm. But yeah, just another episode of the Treehouse Show. Yeah. <laughs> so we're opening up uh, can of worms. That's what we do. <laughs> Pandora's box. You know, waking up. It's a great day to open another Pandora's box. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. But um, listen, listen, we're going to wrap this up okay. because it's a beautiful Monday. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about y'all, but we're not working. No, so, we are not. I'm not today. You, listen, Dr. D, Except for the, this. Term, the term play. Yeah. I like to play. So, oh, yes. You know what I'm saying? I might play doing yoga. We might play dance. And we might. Mm-hmm. And I love house. We got to hit some of these house spots. Because mm-hmm. what I'm I like there. to do is, is dance the house. Yeah, you, you know do. I mean? And I know a few people who like to dance the house. So oh, maybe wow. you should go dance the house. I'll let you know the next spot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm always on the yeah. dance floor. Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? like, ooh, okay. Ooh. 
Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. No, I'm, I'm dead. What they say in New York? I'm dead ass. Right, right. Ass, yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, you know, what are ways that you know people? And I don't know if you have a forum where people can reach out to you with questions regarding psychology mm-hmm. or mental health. But what are ways that you know you like to keep in touch with social media? Oh gosh. Well, I'll just give my um, my personal pages. I I have a business page that's inactive, but um, I do work for an outpatient uh, agency. Uh, Actually, it's a behavioral health center. Um, We just moved to that uh, title. And so, but to follow me directly and then I can lead you, I would say my Facebook is my name, Demetria Ewens. And um, my Instagram is Dr. Psydeology. So those are the ways. Make sure you all reach out if you have mm-hmm. any questions. Just support the Facebook and, yeah. you know, just because, you know, hearing your story, mm-hmm. you know, we want to hear, you know, more stories from you. Oh, yeah. You know, because I you feel will. Like, like you <laughs> said, like the tribe. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the griots come and, you know, that that's how we even get comfortable. Uh-huh. And build trust. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I feel like the drum circles. All the drum circles. Oh, oh. I'm going to a drum circle after this. <laughs> you should come on out. I should. Washington come on Park, out. last day. It's up to you. Better at till what? 10 o'clock? 9, okay. 10 o'clock, yeah. 9, you got all day. We'll see after how, how I feel after you. Sure, sure. We'll I, I don't know if you want to switch those energies, but yeah, because mm-hmm. it's a whole different energy. It is, but you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Very more connected. Now, yeah, yeah. You know, because yoga is all about, you know, embracing with how you feel in the moment, mm-hmm. and just like not distracting you. Mm-hmm. But it's like some some of these poses, if you hold a pigeon pose for seven minutes, it's all about my hip is killing me. Yeah. But I'ma sit in it. That's a lot of times, yeah. it's just, and it's mental training. So yeah, I feel like with the drumming, it's also it's a mental. I'm getting immersed mm-hmm. in the feeling. Of how mm-hmm. the, the beats are making me want to move my hands. Exactly. You're releasing the that release, from the. Yeah. How, like, my. I'm, I'm completely thinking, not thinking, and yeah. just feeling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Very. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Everything's connected. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. But um, that is beautiful. Yeah. Do you have any final words you want to share with the audience? Uh, you know. I just always like to leave the people with something positive. Just mm-hmm. take care of yourself, love yourself, and love somebody else. Mm. Period. Period. <laughs> That's cool. it. If we all just follow that, mm-hmm. be a better place. Mm-hmm. It's you that simple. It. You all heard it. Um, without further ado, um, stay hydrated. Yes. Stay breathing in that good ass oxygen. And most importantly, Prana. most importantly, Stay basic. You are listening to Shadow Work by yours truly. Too many thoughts in my head. I black out when I'm mad. I don't find fear. Don't feel no pain, just see red. They say love always conquers hate, but I hate that I make mistakes. I was happy for goodness sake. While regret gotta pump the brakes. Social anxiety, fear of rejection, stay busy to hide my depression. See my reflection, I see addiction. 
Please forgive me, but I'm full of flaws. Are you a punk? Validate me how I'm tall. Validate me by my square jaw. Validate me with a call. Won't pick up too busy building walls. Leave me a DM, then I'm gonna stop. Digging up bones, seem like you a dog. I look to the moon, you look to the stars. I'm feeling this deep in my soul. So pardon me if I am cold. See my glow up now, you wanna go. I know all that I glitter is gold. I am weak in my knees. I feel my energy leaving me. I'm clinging to life, I didn't disbelieve. We're destined to suffer eternally. I'm in my feelings, my emotions got me through the ceiling What am I feeling? I overthink everything So fuck you if you just be chilling Pay me a villain, pay me a villain Pay me a villain, pay me a villain I'm in my feelings, my emotions got me through the ceiling And my heart a cold, I cannot feel it Give me a reason to continue living Pay me a villain, pay me a villain Pay me a villain, pay me a villain what do you do when no one is watching your moves? Do you go off yourself with a noose? Can't tell if that's black, you drinking some juice. Uh -huh. Is you that new Jeffrey Dahmer the news? To some beans in another dimension. We all just a meet in the kitchen. It was a joke, I want us fast. Remember last time that we spoke? I held you close, comma was gas. Remember you told me you walk off a zip of that dank that I'm gonna chief. Then I'm taking souls, yeah, I am a thief. Promise is key, if you cannot keep your promise, then you'll be controlled or deleted, yeeted. I'm in my feelings, my emotions got me through the ceiling. What am I feeling? I overthink everything, so fuck you if you just be chilling. Pay me a villain, pay me a villain, pay me a villain, pay me a villain. I'm in my feelings, my emotions got me through the ceiling. And my heart a cold, I cannot feel it. Give me a reason to continue living. Pay me a villain, pay me a villain, pay me a villain, pay me a villain. Don't like how I feel when alone in my place, so I go out my way just to feel some. Can't look in the mirror, don't like see my face, so I go out my way just to feel some. Can't keep up with time, it's not in my pace, so I go out my way just to feel some. Just won't disappear and I leave a trace, so I go out my way just to feel some. I'm in my feelings, my emotions got me through the ceiling. What am I feeling? I overthink everything, so fuck you if you just be chilling. Pay me a villain, pay me a villain, pay me a villain.